Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And the Sunbury Motors Studio is mobile today in Minneapolis. Where right now it is 21 degrees. It snowed this morning for a while. Tonight, it is going to be six below zero. Great to be here. (laughs) I turned the heat up in the room. We will be talking with Tim Kirchin today about the scandal in Major League Baseball, but also the fact he's in Williamsport, so I want to talk to him about uh, the event going on there. And then about the minor league situation, the Spikes are going to have a press conference tomorrow uh, in their hashtag Save Our Spikes campaign. And that's going to be something that uh, is going to be streamed tomorrow on Facebook because minor league baseball wanted it streamed because they want to show the other franchises you know, what State College was doing. And maybe it's something that could be applied other places, so that's what they're going to do. We'll talk to Tim about that, too. Matt, great to have you with us. Good to be here with you, Steve, when you're there out in very cold Minneapolis. Ouch. I don't know if I have Matt or not. Hello, Matt. Hey, you there. But it's uh, great to... Is it Matt or Kyle? I think, I think it's Matt today, right? Yes, it is me. But... Uh... That's uh, what we've got coming up today. We're going to talk extensively about the baseball part of it. And the NFL, well, at least the Pro Football Hall of Fame, announced its entire class of 15 today. This is the centennial class. And I doubt you ever saw him play, Matt. But how about Harold Carmichael getting it? I am very, very happy about that. It is long, long, long overdue. And obviously that was a great moment for Eagles fans, for Harold Carmichael to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I think it, it's interesting what they did. It's a, it, it, I got the impression, I, I've got a feeling they've got to maybe do this one more time. But, for example, Donnie Shell's in, and Donnie Shell should have been in a while ago. He was a heck of a player. But Donnie Shell got in. Obviously, Bill Cower, Jimmy Johnson both got in. Paul Tagliabue got in. Ed Sable of NFL Films was already in. His son, Steve Sable, who unfortunately has since passed away, is in this class. Cowboys safety Cliff Harris. So you've got Bill Cower, Jimmy Johnson, Paul Tagliabue, Steve Sable, Donnie Shell of the Steelers, Cliff Harris of the Cowboys, Harold Carmichael of the Eagles, Jimbo Covert of the Bears, 
guy I never saw play, obviously, was Packers defensive back Bobby Dillon. Jets left tackle, a mountain of a man, Winston Hill. It was a heck of a player in the AFL. Lions defensive tackle Alex Karras, a guy I never saw play, Chicago Cardinals tackle Duke Slater. Read a lot about him over the years. Browns wide receiver Max Speedy, who played in the 40s and the 50s. Defensive head Ed Sprinkle, and this will make the people in New York very, very happy. Giants general manager George Young got into the Hall of Fame. And he's the one that was the architect that brought the Giants back. Shell is the fifth member of the Steel Curtain defense to be enshrined along with Jack Ham, Joe Green, Jack Lambert, and Mel Blunt. Uh, Harris is the fifth member of the Cowboys defense. Well, this is kind of a loose definition, though. Harris, along with Bob Lilly, Randy White, Mel Renfro, all lifelong Cowboys, and Herb Adderley. Herb Adderley was not inducted into the Hall of Fame for what he did with the Cowboys. He was inducted because of what he did with the Packers. So whoever wrote this one, there's a little immaturity there. Um, But... I mean, Herb Adderley got him because of what he did with the Packers. Now, he kept going with the Cowboys. But still, that's the class that got in. Tagliabue has always been a controversial one over the years as to how he handled things, but he gets in this time with this group. Still deserved, though. Oh, I thought I think he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, they all deserve it. I mean, every one of these guys deserves it. Um, now, there's reasons why each one of these would not get in with the regular five plus two. That's why this part of the class is really important. Uh, you know, for example, Troy Polamalu on February 1st, he's getting in. Now, a lot of people think Alan Fanica is going to get in. We'll see. I'm not so sure. Um, but... You know, some of these guys were terrific, got bypassed over time, like Donnie Shell. I thought Donnie Shell should have been in a long time ago. But I'm glad to see he's getting in. Steve Sable, that's a perfect choice to put in. What he and his father did, and his father's already in, what he and his father did to promote the NFL all the time, you got to get people interested in your product. And they were two big reasons why people became interested in the product because of the way they showcased the product. Slow-mo, music, football follies, things like that. They made it dramatic, exciting, poetic, fun. Put cameras in spots that had never been before. Uh, George Young brought the Giants back. He was the architect of that. Um, Cower and Johnson are interesting. If Cower and Johnson are in, doesn't that make you think twice about other people? For example, doesn't it make you think twice about Tom Flores? He won two Super Bowls with the Oakland Raiders. Doesn't he deserve some recognition? Yeah, he had a bad run with the Seahawks at the end. But doesn't that make you... 
Bill Cowher won as many NFL championships as Buck Shaw. Buck Shaw, by the way, was the Eagles head coach in 1960 when they beat the Packers. Yes, Buck Shaw, the only coach ever. Buck Shaw, the only coach ever to have a playoff win against Vince Lombardi. Huh? How about that? Buck Shaw, nothing. Bill Cowher, in. Buck Shaw was never on TV. But your guy, Harold Carmichael, got in, Matt. Yes, I am very happy about that. That was long, long overdue. And he still is not in the Eagles Hall of Fame. They still haven't um, retired his number 17, which should be done. I'm not big on retiring numbers. You know that? I did not know that. I never have been. I've never been big on retiring numbers. I've always felt that uh, I've always agreed with the ring of honor idea. Like the ring of honor where it's up there. But, like, you know, there's going to get a point where you're a franchise that has so many numbers retired that you sit back and say, ah, we need to unretire some. (laughs) We don't have enough numbers. (laughs) I've never been big on that. I've always been big on the ring of honor that included your number. No. I mean, I understand why people do it. I got it. It's a great, it's an incredible honor to have. What numbers were retired for the Eagles? Well, I would I would assume that um, um, well, Steve, yeah. Van Buren, Steve Van Buren's retired, I would assume. Correct. Him, Brian Dawkins, Brian Westbrook, Donovan McNabb. Um well, then they're going to have to yeah. retire his number because Brian Westbrook, the only t- way he's going to the Hall of Fame is if he pays. <laughs> okay. All right. so, or he's brought as a guest because he's not going to Canton. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, if, if, if Brian West, Westbrook is retired, what about Wilbert Montgomery? <laughs> Tom Wittishick. Uh Yes, I can name old Eagles. Pete Redslaff. I think he wore 44, didn't he? Yes. Tommy Tommy McDonald. Yeah, Redslaff is retired. Van Buren's retired. Chuck McNarrick, of course, is retired. I know it's against somebody. Chuck Brookshire is retired. Reggie White, Jerome Brown, and um, Al Wizard. Okay. So... Mike Barilla, no. Nope. <laughs> and I have to correct myself. Brian, uh, Brian Westbrook was in the Eagles uh, Hall of Fame. He did not have oh, okay. his okay. number retired. That was okay. my fault there. Okay. Okay. Now he should be in the Eagles Hall of Fame. That's fine. Any team could do whatever they want with their Hall of Fame. That's fine by me. I have no problem. That's their, That's what means a lot to their organization, their fans, and so forth. I was going to say, there's no way they could have retired his number. <laughs> really? Yeah, that was my bad. <laughs> now, now, Carmichael, uh, like, for example, uh, not a Hall of Famer, but probably is retired, is probably the Eagles Hall of Fame. It's like a guy like Bill Berge. Yes, and I, who, I think he is. Who's a terrific linebacker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Played with Vince Vipali. He was on the uh, 1980 Super Bowl yep. team. So, all right. We're going to have Tim Kirchin on today. And we're also going to have uh, 
Jason Beretti from the uh, Washington Post on today, too. They're both going to talk about the same thing, essentially. And that is what's happened with the Astros' Alex Cora. But i got to ask Tim, too, about some other things that are going on with baseball. Because he's going to – is Tim in Williamsport today? Uh, yes, that is tonight at 6, I believe. Is that going to be at Genetti's? Do we know? Uh, that I don't know. I'll have to look that up real quick. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Up. But let me let me just double check. Yeah, over the years, I, I spoke a lot at Genetti's over the years. I spoke to the Little League umpires one year at Genetti's. And I spoke to the the great Penn State club up in Williamsport many times at Genetti's. So I know my way there. I do know. But uh, we're going to get into what he's going to be talking about there as well. All right, we're going to take a break. Let's see. Target Field, where the Twins play. Ah, snow covered. Not playing today. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. So George Young, the old Bucknell grad, gets into the Pro Football Fame. He's going to make the New York people thrilled. I mean, people in Lewisburg will be happy for the linkage, but it's the New York people who are going to be thrilled because um, he brought the Giants back. And uh, George Young is a Bucknell grad. Speaking of the Giants, Jason Garrett's going to interview for the offensive coordinator's job. Joe Brady, the former... Penn State football grad assistant who was a grad assistant here in 15 and 16 uh, ends up being the offensive coordinator with uh, Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. I hope Matt does well. Matt, Matt, of course, uh, when he was a kid, lived in New York, but then as a teenager moved to State College and then played at State High and then and then, of course, was a walk-on at Penn State. And he played at Penn State, 94 to 97. He wasn't just a walk-on that, like, every once in a while got in. He, You know, as time went, Matt started playing more. And uh, he's never forgot his Penn State roots. And Joe Brady took that job. And, look, believe me, they must have paid him some big-time coin because LSU was willing to pay a lot of money to keep Joe Brady there. This will be interesting because, remember, Joe Brady had split duties with the with LSU. He called the pass plays. 
now he's going to have to do the whole thing on this level. Okay. It's going to be interesting to see, too, if he stays up in the box or if he's on the sideline. Because with LSU, he's up in the box. And I think when Joe was at Penn State, he was up in the box, too, as a matter of fact. But he, let's face it, he probably got a lot of money to, to make this move because they were, they were rumors, and these are all rumors. So nobody knows if they're true or not. But let's have some fun with it because it's about cash. The rumors were that he was going to get offered $1.5 million to not be the coordinator but to be the wide receiver pass game coordinator. It's a lot of money to do that job. So, the uh, that's a lot of cash, and then your guy Harold Carmichael will get in. Again, I the, there's a couple areas in this where part of this is to make up for guys who couldn't get in. I understand that. So Donnie Shell was never going to get in in the current system. He wasn't going to make it. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with the current system. Nothing. But here is here is for a player that's kind of waited, 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 not been able to get in. Here's their problem, all right? When only five get in, well, every year there's somebody new on the ballot. So let's take, for example, Troy Polamalu. He's new on the ballot. Well, Troy Polamalu is going to get into the Hall of Fame this year. I'd be shocked if he didn't. And there's somebody else that was a holdover that hasn't been able to get in yet. So when there's only five spots, it's not unlimited. For example, Tim Kirchin, I believe, can vote for ten on the Baseball Hall of Fame. I believe the number's ten. And I think he use I think he uses all ten usually when he votes. football only five make it then there's two others sometimes it's a builder sometimes it's an old time play like when jerry remember we had jerry kramer on the show the day before he got voted in yes that was awesome yeah so i mean but that's a spot so you feel like in this like a cliff harris getting in uh, a guy like uh, donnie shell getting in you know, Max Speedy finally got in. Winston, I mean, they made a lot of really good choices here. The two that I think are the most eyebrow-raising for, for a lot of people looking at it, and I say this with all due respect, is happens to be Bill Coward, Jimmy Johnson. Not that they don't deserve to be in. They do. But it does ask the question. There are a few other coaches, aren't there? Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Tonight at Gennetti's in Williamsport, you will have the privilege of being with the outstanding Tim Kirchin. As I sit here in Minneapolis, getting ready for Penn State basketball tonight, I'm looking at the Target Center, and I'm looking at the scoreboard at Target Field. I can tell you the Target Field is snow-covered. So we're not ready for baseball yet. Tim, welcome. It is always a pleasure. Thanks so much for your valuable time. 
Well, thanks so much, Steve, and it's nice and warm here in Bloomsport. Uh, <laughs> nice to see that. It's great. Uh, really great. Obviously, uh, topics we don't want to talk about but have to talk about. What has been your reaction to how Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball handled the Astros situation, followed them by how Jim Crane handled it? Well, I thought it was a harsh penalty, but I think it was necessary, and I think it was the right thing to do. Rob Manfred, who's a lawyer, of course, he wrote a law in September 2017 after the Apple Watch situation and said, if we get any more of this, uh, people are going to get punished and punished severely. And the Astros did not listen to him. And they went ahead and did it anyway, including during the World Series. So I think the penalty was just, and yet I'm still a little surprised that uh, Jim Crane did what he did. And this is a stunning day in baseball that the general manager and the manager of a team that have won 100 games each of the last three years has been fired. But just a strong reminder that the commissioner and other people in the game are not putting up with this anymore. What's your reaction to the Red Sox management and preemptively parting ways with Alex Cora? Well, I'm not surprised by that, frankly. It seems pretty clear after Major League Baseball suspended A.J. Hinch for a year that Alex Cora, who was the architect of the signs dealing with the Astros as the bench coach in 2017, he was going to get at least that much, given that he was also involved in this investigation now with the Red Sox in 2018. So given that the Red Sox might lose their manager for a year, maybe much longer than that, they had to make a difficult, but I think the only decision they could make, and that was to part ways with Alex Cole, Cora, and move on from here, and find a new manager moving forward. So this was a stunning two days in baseball, uh, and two really good young managers are out of job. But I think in the end, uh, despite being good guys and really good managers, they only have themselves to blame for this. The Red Sox will eventually play in Williamsport. They'll play the Orioles this year uh, in, uh, in August. What are the logical candidates in your mind for Alex Cora's old job? Well, that's a good question. It's pretty early for that, but I think I think Jason Veritek makes a lot of sense. They need yeah. to get back to one of their own, and even though Alex Cora did a spectacular job as their manager, Jason Veritek has a great history, of course, with the Red Sox. I would put him at the top of the list. Um, I mean, there are other guys that you could look at who make an awful lot of sense, but I think Veritek might be the leader early on, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, he was the first guy I thought of, because I, I know he's a special instructor. I've got that, or no, a special to, assistant to the president or whatever, but he did a lot of on-field work and has a relationship with the players uh, in Boston. Um you're in Williamsport, and what's interesting, of course, is you know what's obviously happening with the 42 teams or franchises, including Williamsport and the New York Penn League, potentially being on, on the block in the negotiation with the minor leagues. How do you view that situation right now, Tim? Because I know it's a negotiation, and I know right now no, nothing's going anywhere, but how do you view that? 
Well, I'm I'm troubled by it. I must say, on a couple of levels. First off, I think I understand what's going on here. That to some degree, they're trying to make life in the minor league better, and they can do that if they cut some teams along the way. But I covered minor league baseball at the beginning of my writing career, and it was maybe the most important thing I've ever done because I understood what the difference between the minor leagues and the major leagues was like, and I understood exactly how important minor league baseball is to certain cities and sometimes smaller towns in America, and you take that away, and you're really messing with the fabric of the game. So I'm not sure how this is all going to play out, but I'm not in favor of cutting um, – Major league, minor league teams out because they're really important to those cities. They're really important to the game. And so many minor league fans that I've met will tell you, hey, I saw this guy come through here in A-ball. That was, that was like a big deal. We saw him first. That stuff matters to baseball fans. And with the game being so expensive these days to go to and hard to get to sometimes, minor league baseball is a great alternative. And I hope, I hope uh, we don't see any major league, minor league teams slashed along the way. You have, uh, I think, verbatim said what I've been saying for weeks about this. And, of course, in full disclosure, I also announced the State College Spikes during the course of the summer. They've got an event coming up tomorrow, hashtag Save Our Spikes. And they've got a fabulous ballpark as well. What I find interesting about this is that Major League Baseball, through analytics, gives the impression that you know, usually after the age of 33, the analytics show a slowdown. So they want a, a lot of baseball players between 25 and 33, if possible. Aren't you supposed to develop them someplace? Yeah, look, the minor leagues, is, you know, the, I'm speaking of the choir here, this is what separates baseball. This was Branch Ricky's great idea, the best way to become a baseball player is to be developed in a system by, by like people who are going to allow you to come along at your pace and get you ready to play in the big leagues. It's the hardest game in the world to play, and the only way to learn how to play it is to play it on the minor league level for as long as it takes until you figure it out. And if we cut down those options, I'm just not sure that's serving any real purpose here. I agree with you completely. Well said. Uh, the Hall of Fame uh, will be announced uh, in six days on the 21st. Uh, I think you had to have your ballot in by the end of the year, I believe. Now, I'm not going to ask you who you voted for because that's unfair and that's not right for me to do. But I think how many are you allowed to vote for? Is it 10? And if so, did you fill out all 10? Yes. 10 is the maximum, and I voted for 10. Um, I vote for 10 pretty much every year because I happen to think, especially in the last 10 years, uh, there have been ballots where I counted 16 and 17 different players on the ballot who I thought were Hall of Fame worthy, and I couldn't even vote for five, six, seven of them because I didn't have enough room. I don't want to say it was easier this year, but uh, I had a lot easier time cutting it to 10 this year than I have in the past, but yes, I voted for the maximum 10, and I just think it's a reminder what a great era of baseball, the great players we've seen over the last 20 years. Every year, the ballot, I still believe, 
is filled with guys who are worthy of the Hall of Fame. And maybe I just set the bar a little lower than some people, and I'm certainly not going to apologize for that. I could just make a really good case for 10 guys, and that's why I voted for 10. Oh, I'm glad you do. I, I think I, I look at the ballot, I see usually 10 guys that I think. So, so what is your, when you sit back and say, I think that guy is a Hall of Fame player, what is it that strikes you about said player that in your gut you say, you know what, that guy should be enshrined? So what are, what are your personal criteria? Well, first off, I watched them all play, and that's really important to me. We've gotten away from watching the games these days. All of our information seems to come from our, you know, our computers and some sort of program or some set of statistics. I still trust my eyes after all these years that I watched a player play. Derek Jeter, for instance, is an obvious Hall of Famer, obvious. But I don't need anybody to tell me what I saw because I saw him play in all of those big games. And I don't need somebody to tell me, well, he wasn't as good a defensive player as you thought he was. And I never (laughs) saw him bobble a ball in a big game in my life. So I trust my eyes and ears first. I talk to all sorts of people along the way and at voting time who played with or against him. And then, of course, I always go to the stats and look at what his numbers were like. I usually know those anyway, but I study them very completely. I go deep inside with the analytics and everything else, and then I make a determination. But deep down inside, I'm going to say, when I watch that guy, did I think I was watching a Hall of Famer? And that's usually the first criteria, the first of many criteria I use to get to whether I vote for a guy or not. Uh, I'm gonna. I know the baseball writers are the ones that do this. And by the way, all of you do a great job, and it is um, highly respected on my my part. I, for example, vote all Big Ten football, all Big Ten basketball. I also have a Wooden Award vote, but I'm not allowed a Heisman vote because I'm paid by my university. Completely understand the rules. You talked about the ability to see these guys on an everyday basis. Should the door be open? to broadcasters also being a part of this Hall of Fame ballot because they do see games every day, or for the reason I just cited for the Heisman, does that come into play? Yeah, again, I'm hopelessly biased here because I've been a member of the baseball writers for 40 years, and I've been a voter for 30 years, and I happen to think we do a really good job. Now, would I be offended if they they ask broadcasters to vote? Of course not. But at the same time, I think we've done a pretty good job. I like the system the way it is, and none of us is paid by a team on any level, and therefore there should be no favoritism. But it's a tricky spot, and the thought that Vince Scully could not vote for the Hall of Fame all those years, that just doesn't seem right. And yet I understand why we put it this way, and as being a baseball writer myself, for all these years, I think it's okay the way it is, and I think we do the best job we can under difficult circumstances sometimes. Yeah, I completely, and you heard how I phrased the question. I explained why I don't have a Heisman ballot, and that it makes sense to me that I don't. That's fine. Because, uh, I mean, I, you see all the Penn State guys I want to put in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, absolute pleasure. What are you going to talk to everybody in Williamsport about tonight, by the way? 
Well, that's a good question. Um, Gabe kind of runs the show, and he <laughs> has a bunch of questions that he asks me. Normally, I have a speech prepared on something like this, but tonight is just a question and answer. So I'll answer whatever question he asks me. It could be anything. And last year, I did this also, and we had a bunch of laughs. It was really great fun. Well, you know what? Uh, please take this in the spirit it's meant. Tim, you're really good for the game. You really are. How you cover it, the passion, the knowledge, you're good for the game. You make the game better. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Steve. Talk to you later. See you. All right. Tim Kirchin joining us from Williamsport. He'll be speaking tonight at Gennetti's. That uh, And Gabe, Gabe Sinecropia will run the show up there, and Gabe will do a great job, like Gabe always does. Gabe's awesome. That organization, the Williamsport organization, has done a great, great job over the years. Not a good job. The Williamsport organization has done a great job over the years. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. Welcome back. Uh, Tim Kirkshen's a big reason why a lot of people love baseball. You know, guys like him, Jason Stark, Peter Gammons, uh, you know, Ken Rosenthal, all terrific at what they do covering the game. And uh, I didn't want to ask who he voted for. I don't think he would have told us because they're sworn to secrecy before the ballot is announced. So I want to, because I know, for example, in all the ballots I do, you're sworn to secrecy. Now, afterward, you could talk about, you know, what you liked about X amount that, you know. But we're always sworn to secrecy as to who we vote for until they reveal the vote. That's the only right thing to do. It's part of, that's why I didn't ask him who he voted for. But I did want to know if he voted for 10, and he did. And I, I think that's great. I have no problem. I'm not into this. You know, either you're a Hall of Famer or you're not. Now, do I do I hold a spot where a certain individual is a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah, but once you get past the first ballot guys, right, that are like, hey, look, this. In other words, your career was so great. This is the honor I want to bestow upon you. I think after that, like for example, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter is an obvious first ballot Hall of Famer. He deserves the recognition of being a first ballot Hall of Famer. He deserves that recognition. And after that, you know, I'd, I'd have no problem voting for nine other guys in this thing. No problem. I agree with him completely about that. In fact, there wasn't a single thing he said I didn't, I, I didn't agree with. I agree with everything Tim said. All right. The sun's now out. See, it's a changing day here in Minneapolis. But it's it's a deceptive sun. It's 15. Uh, 15 degrees. Uh, and we have more coming up on A.J. Hinch, Alex Cora. You know, it's interesting. You, you look at... Uh, I think Cora is done now in baseball. You know, unless somebody wants to hire him down the road as a uh, 
as some sort of consultant somewhere. But he can't. He's not going to have anything that's public. A.J. Hinch, I thought maybe would have a chance to rehabilitate himself and get himself back in as maybe a bench coach somewhere. But you know what? The more I look into this, the more I think he's in the same boat. Because part of the pro- part of the problem that you do have when you are doing, when you are a manager, when you are a manager, is that you have to go in front of the media. And there are a lot of crazy things that happen during the course of a year that you've got to answer questions about. And he was very much in. Um, You know, he was put on the spot about the Astros on a couple of things, and he didn't exa- and he handled it in a way that was very pro-organization. But at the same time, now in retrospect, that may have not been the best answer at the moment. And loyalty—I mean, I understand loyalty. I got it. I'm about as loyal as it, as it comes. Believe me. And I ask all the people I work with how loyal I am. Yes, I'm even loyal to you know who. T.S. The suit. Yes, Matt, I'm even loyal to him. Okay? Yes, you are. Yes. Boy, he's grading at times. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, so I understand the loyalty part, but you start looking back at some of the answers he gave when the Astros were going through a couple of things. Like, geez, I'm not so sure if maybe he's going to be able to get himself back in or not. Uh, we'll see. The let me. I didn't bring this up with Tim because I only had X amount of time with him. As you know, when it comes to the replay part of it, I have been a strong advocate, and I know it costs money. I got it. Of having each ballpark fitted in a booth that nobody can get into with their own video equipment and an umpire with one or two video technicians. Each ballpark having it. And you treat it, the the umpire and crew as a five-man crew and not as a and not as a um, Okay. <laughs> I keep hearing dings. Um, and I think when you look at, 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 at that way, it's absolutely like just them and that the clubs have no access to it. If the club wants to look at the TV feed and say, hey, are we going to do this or not? Fine. But they can't use the umpiring ex- uh, internal feed. I felt that way for a long time, as you know, because I think, number one, my old point was speed of the game, so let's speed the process up. But now I look at this, and is that possibly a way to do it? 